Welcome to Church in the Basement, where we seek to see God more clearly and to live a life loving God and loving others. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the basement. We are in John 10, making our way downtown, walking fast. No, I'm just kidding. We are making our way through John. We are in John 10. And earlier on this week, I we, we talked about Hanukkah. We talked about this guy uh, by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes, who was a really bad dude, and Judas Maccabeus, who came in. He was the stereotypical warrior guy, uh, tactician, who came in and drove out Judas Maccabeus. And Hanukkah is about Judas Maccabeus coming in and re-establishing uh, the temple and rededicating the temple. And that is the main reason uh, that Hanukkah was, was celebrated and is still celebrated. And where we are at in John 10, it says that it is the Feast of Dedication. And Jesus is a part of this celebration. And we challenged what is our view of the true Jesus? What is our true what is the true view of Jesus? Because the audience, the people who Jesus is talking about within this portion of scripture that we are in, were challenged by this idea of this Judas Maccabeus type character coming in and being their Messiah. Yet the Messiah was right in front of them. And they didn't recognize him because he wasn't this like wild warrior character. So I asked you to go and ask the question, God, do I have any um, expectations of who you are or, or conceptions of who you are that are maybe off base and don't align with who you are? And I pray and I hope that that time was fruitful for you. But now we're going to head into sort of some challenging things to think about um, as it pertains to God and who he is. And so let's read in verse 22, again through verse 30, as we did earlier on this week. And we're going to look at it from a little bit of a different angle. It says, at that time, the Feast of Dedications took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's uh, of the father's hand and the father i and the father are one i and the father are one now that statement right there is going to stir up uh, a, a a lot of conversation after this but this text is 
pointing out something that is very hard for a lot of us to grapple with. Um, they're asking, Jesus, how long are you going to keep us in sus- suspense? Are you the Messiah? Are you this Judas Maccabeus? They were expecting him to break into warrior mode uh, like like a transformer or something and, and just destroy Rome, right? But what he was saying is, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I have my sheep and I'm drawing my sheep to me. And the father has given me these sheep, but you don't believe because my father has not given you to me. He's saying you don't believe because you are not among my sheep. So this gets very confusing. What is Jesus talking about here? Isn't this opportunity for salvation available to everyone? And I would answer that question, yes, it is available to everyone. What we're wrestling with here is Jesus or God in general, the three-in-one God, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, what is called divine sovereignty, that God is divinely sovereign, that he is in control of all things. If you go back and you read the Psalms, I was back in the Psalms this last week. Yeah, not this week, but last week. And we were sort of pondering through and meditating on this idea of lamenting. And because it's, it's a hot topic right now, a lot of the church is processing through what does it mean to lament. And so we, we went back, Kim and I, and we read through some of the Psalms. And it's wild to hear the kind of language that is coming from the psalmist, how they're talking like all this stuff this bad stuff that happened, God, you've done it for a reason. You have done it for a reason. That these psalmists, whether it's David or any others, as they're wrestling with um, the challenges within um, within their history, really, uh, they fully understand and they have fully wrapped their minds around the fact that that God is in control of all things. Coming now to a modern perspective, this is very, very challenging for us. When we think about divine sovereignty, we immediately go to the fact that, well, so does God divinely ordain these evil things that happen in the world? And from what we see in scripture, he is in control. He is in control that that the world isn't spiraling out of God's control because he is God, right? But the way this story goes, anytime we see divine sovereignty and, and God being in control, whether it's in salva- of our salvation or just what happens in the world, uh, when we hear Jesus talk about these things, it's always coupled with belief. We experienced this a little bit uh, when we were going through John 3. And Jesus's conversation with Nicodemus, um, that is a great window into this same conversation that divine, God's divine sovereignty exists, but also our call to belief. 
our call to belief exists. And that's, some would call it human responsibility, human will, some, some call it free will, whatever you want to call it. Um, there is a human responsibility, a human will that, that is a parallel truth to the sovereign will of God. And they both exist. Um, but Jesus likes to, within what, what he teaches, he likes to couple them together. And that's why I call them a parallel truth. Um, in Matthew 11, it's a little window into this. We're going to jump into another gospel just to give us a little different perspective. In Matthew 11, verse 25, it says this, At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such, for such was your gracious will. There's that will of God, the divine sovereign will of God. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Did you see it there? The first, whole first part of this text, 25 through 27, he's laying out the divine sovereignty of God. That the Father gives to the Son those whom he will through his gracious will. That the Father and the Son are working the sovereign plan. But then he calls us to come to him. To believe in him. To trust in him. To rest in him. To learn from him. That he's calling us to action. And we see in Ephesians 2, uh, it, where it says, we were necros, we were dead. Not, uh, I, I love the example of the Princess Bride, that we were all the way dead. Not mostly dead, but all the way dead. But God came in and he did this supernatural work in our lives and brought us to life. That is all God. But he also calls us to believe in the same text in the same portion and go and look at any time that Jesus talks about the divine sovereignty of God it is always coupled with a call to believe we have been called to participate yes he fully powers it um, he fully does the work God is fully responsible for our salvation and the saving of the world but he has called us to participate he has called us to participate. And there, there are people who try and split hairs and try and prove one side or the other, but they both exist. And there is no way to refute either side. There is no way to refute either side. So how do we rest in this? How do we proceed in this? In Romans 10, it, it, it says this, Romans 10, 10. 
For with the heart one believes and is justified, with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So how do we interact with divine sovereignty and human responsibility? We are called for those whose eyes have been opened, just like the man blind from birth, just like it says in Ephesians 2, that we were necros, we were blind, we were dead, but our eyes have been opened. We are called to delight in God. And as we delight in God and we love him and we pursue a relationship with him and we, we pursue spaces um, where, where we can fully experience who God is, him sanctifying us, um, shaping us and forming us into his likeness, we are called to delight in him and love him. But we are also called, it, through this text it lays out very clearly that Jesus is calling us to believe And Paul in Romans is calling us to participate in others delighting in him. They cannot delight in him if they don't know who he is. He's saying we need to go and share the good news of Christ with the world. That that God has called us to participate in his saving the world, in his ushering in the kingdom. And this all goes back to Matthew 28, that when Jesus says, is about to ascend and and he says all power and authority has been given to me there's that divine sovereignty that all power and authority is his but then he says therefore go and make disciples of all the nations he's saying i am calling you to participate in my divine sovereignty that you are a part of the plan i don't know how that makes you feel but that makes me feel like I live an epic life, that the God of this universe, the king of this world, has called me to participate in his divine, sovereign will to save us all. Anywhere that you look um, in scripture, when it talks about the salvation and God's desire, it is that all should have eternal life and none should perish. They are very absolute words. And he has called us to participate in saving the whole world. Would you do that? Can we rest in the fact that God is divinely sovereign? That yes, there is stuff that happens in this world that is not good. But he is divinely and sovereignly saving the world through what his son has done in walking perfectly 
and defeating sin and dying and raising from the grave to defeat death, the greatest enemy, as as a spiritual or a supernatural Judas Maccabeus, he defeated instead of Rome the greatest enemy, sin and death, so that we could participate in life, in bringing life into this world as the vessels of his Holy Spirit. He's saying, go and tell others of the good news. Go and disciple this world because I am king. I am divinely sovereign. Tell the world who I am. That sounds amazing. So with this information, could, could we sit down and ask God, what part do I play in this? Would you, you have written me into this story, this amazing story of a God who loves his people and, and has set out to rescue them from themselves, from their sin, from their death. God, what is my part to play? Am I a messenger? Am I a prophet? Am I an encourager? Am, what, what do you want me to do, God? I delight in your kingship, your authority, your goodness. How do we bring this message to others? Would you ask that question this weekend? And maybe you've been pondering this a long time, and I'm going to be praying that there is new um, illumination of his plan for your life this weekend, that God would, even in this crazy time that we're in, that God would speak and speak mightily and powerfully in your heart and in your mind and drive you into the purpose of saving this world, believing and delighting in him, and also participating in this rescue plan that he has sovereignly willed for us. Hey, I love you guys. I hope this conversation with God, it goes super well and that he speaks um, some incredible things to you. I'm really looking forward to continuing this conversation within John uh, 10 next week. I'll see you then. I'm looking forward to it.